0: What's the first thing you can remember? Holy good lord. My first memory. My first memory is a dream I had. Yeah. I was a superhero. Mm -hmm. A superhero dream um, called Star Child. (laughs) I remember. And that's whenever the. uh, What do you call it? Came out that movie, um, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm -hmm. And he was called Star Lord. Did it freak you out? It freaked me out. Because it was also. His childhood. Uh, it start. The movie starts off with his child. He's being taken away from his, his home planet and into a f- complete fantasy world of, mm. you know, other galaxies and, and and flying around in space. And and that was like, a, whoa! That really hits a point with me. Um, but for me, it was a trauma dream <laughs> because um, there were bad men trying to get me, mm. and I could fly away. At the start of the dream i could fly and by the end of the dream i couldn't fly anymore and they got me interesting so it was a horrible kind of thing um and that that, I, i don't think i've ever ever been able to fly in my dreams apart from that one moment where i had the freedom since then since then yeah i've never been able to fly again um i've always had dreams of i could fly and now i can't or i can't quite get off the ground or you know limited kind of stuff um Dig that one around in the psychological box.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I just you know kind of I mean? have a, a sense of hope for you that uh, that oh. dream will come back again. I, I, yeah, I hope so. Yeah, tell me about the moon and your mum. Where are you getting
0: this information? Did I tell you this? <laughs> That's really like wow. Yeah, I, I said to my mum, I was holding her hand. Oh, I, I have, I have discussed this with you. I think um, I, I said to my mum. When I was very young, I must have been like six or seven or something like that, holding her hand at night, walking down down a road towards our house, I think it was. And I just looked at the moon and said, because oh, I love the moon at night. I love the, the luminance of it. And just, yeah, I just said, someday I'm going to go there, mum. And she went, I know, son. And it was just like, like as a parent now, mm. that impact that it had on me with mm. hope and dreams was just, it was huge. You know, if it had been my dad, it might have been maybe, you know, shut up, sorry. (laughs) 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 Sorry, dad. It might have been just, you know, what are you talking about? Because I know my dad didn't quite get me as a kid. Mm -hmm. Um, But for her response to be immediate like that of just, I know you are, son, you know, Mm. that's huge. That's massive. Yeah. Why do you think
1: the uniform of young boys (laughs) is
0: superhero costumes? Superhero costumes, that's a huge discussion. There.
1: Like why why do you think 'cause I was I like I was the same. Like for me it was Spider-Man.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like, spider Man, yeah, yeah.
1: Spider-Man was just me all over.
0: Yeah. Like and why Spider-Man for you? Because
1: I was real nerdy, real scrawny, okay. wore glasses, had like a big like transformation moment whenever I like started wearing contact lenses. Yeah. That was my spider bite <laughs> moment.
0: Do you know what I mean? Spider bite to swap to contacts. Yeah. I am now superhuman I'm now uh, like Peter Parker has now transitioned into Spider-Man very interesting well I was scared of heights and spiders and being alone Mm. and (coughs) Spider-Man had mastered all three of those I think Mm -hmm. so I remember thinking that one day when I was older going that's maybe why I liked him the ultimate freedom but then also being able to help people who were in danger superhero I think John Elders talks about this doesn't he in his book about superheroes and I've completely forgot it was um, what, what he was saying about it but I think it's that idea of we are on every heart of I guess from every heart of the child is that lack of limitation and imagination but also the, the idea that we want to rescue we want to save we want to be saviors we want to put our best foot forward hmm. possibly
1: you're, you're, you have a son don't you I do
0: Yeah, he's six why do little boys love to feel dangerous? <laughs> I think that is wired into us. I think we we need that sense of adventure and danger. I think the 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 idea um, that because remember John saying if you want a kid to do if you want a boy to do any chores or anything interesting that you want him to do, add a head of danger into it, and <laughs> it. Like you know, do the vacuuming by one foot or you know holding a glass of water at the same time. Um, I think that is that is the case. We just are drawn towards danger, and I I, I know there. I don't want to blanket every single guy in the world that way, but I think that's. Excuse me. I think that's our default setting, but I think nature and nurture can maybe change those in some ways. Mm -hmm. Um, Because there there are, there are some guys you meet who are just masculine, Mm -hmm. and there are some guys you meet who are not as masculine. so I would need to actually interview them and ask them, "What do you, do you feel you want to rescue people? Do you did you want to be a yeah. superhero when you were a kid, or what did you want to be?" Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't want to blanket everybody yeah, with that, but sure. I, I think that that is definitely my nature, and it sounds like it's yours. Well, um,
1: tell me about your boyhood. What do we boyhood? need to know about side of the boy?
0: <sighs> Nervous now. I had a rough. I had a rough childhood. Uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of things that I don't want to incriminate people in my life as well. Yeah of course. But uh, I, I had uh there's a lot of abuse in my childhood, so it was uh, there was a lot of wanting to escape. And I'm so jealous of you when you say, I gotta get out of here and you were able to mm. at 18 because I really wanted to get out of here, but I couldn't. Yeah. I was terrified to leave, which is really funny because it was not a nice environment to grow up in. Sure. <clears throat> so uh what I hear of other people who have left the country for a year and found like, gone to another country and broken a whole lot of stuff. Yeah. I never did that. I never actually got to do that. Lots of your friends did a year out somewhere when they were before university and I never did it. Um I think I was maybe scared to leave my mom alone. Yeah as I well. Get that too. Um um I'm, my I'm little sister alone, but uh yeah. It's I'm okay where I'm at now looking back in life and going, It's okay that I didn't but uh I remember feeling like I, I wasted <laughs> like I lost just lost my 20s yeah um in, in a in a big mire of muck in my brain but uh I, I felt like it's okay it's the 30s that we're really gonna make a difference so yeah yeah that's a tough question it is a tough question yeah cause I don't want I also don't want to overshare too much <clears throat> um I have a habit of sharing too much but uh Yeah, a a lot of my childhood was trying to find ways to escape Mm -hmm. in my brain because I couldn't physically get away. Yeah. Um, So there's a lot of fantasy, a lot of imagination. Um, At the age of 11, was it 11, 10, 11? I found Warhammer. Oh, yeah. Have you you heard of Warhammer? Yeah, I have, yeah. And that is just an encyclopedias of fantasy and escapism. Yeah. Like apparently it's quite high up on the anybody like kids who have autism and things like that, they absolutely love it because of the depth uh, uh, that it goes into with characters and lore uh, and rules and things like that. I, I never really got to play the game much, but I, I was really just blown away by the by the characters and the, and the, the species and the, mm. the galaxy. I mean, if you take something in your brain, right, and you fast forward a couple of years and you can't really – you can kind of guess bits and pieces. But if you take something and fast forward it to the year 40,000, <laughs> <laughs> you're like, are we not just like gas clouds at that point? How does, <laughs> how does that look, you know? Um, and the guys who invented it, like they really, they really came up with something special. I think. Um, and I know it's got its, its negative connotations and everything else, but I just really loved escaping to that. So movies, I remember watching Indiana Jones and just feeling like I wanna, I wanna jump into the TV. Mm. I wanna be there while they're making that film. I wanna be there in that enclosed, encapsulated cube, rectangle that is our television. That there's nothing outside those walls. I wanna be in that moment. Yeah. And, that was my, and I remember, actually, there's a movie that Simon Pegg did called, oh, was it How to, Make Fr- How to Lose Friends and Alien People or something like that, where he describes that to a T. And it's him in his, as his childhood, in his, um, as a child watching movies, watching Hollywood, and he explains it so well that I never could um, of just that magical thing that was Hollywood, mm-hmm. that was this other world. And then, of course, you get there and it's not what you think it is, you know. But um, what is that film called? We'll look it up. At There's the a end. lot
1: of control as well. Like, because the screen's very self contained. Yes. The set's self contained. Yes. The universe is self contained. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it follows a story arc, it follows a hero's journey so that you know, even when it gets really, 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 really bad, mm. oh, that this is just part of it. Just wait. We all know the hero's going to pull through. Yeah. Whereas real yeah. life can be a little bit more complicated
0: well, than that. There's a lack of resolution in real life half the time. And yeah. I mean that in two ways. Resolution is in clarity, but resolution is in to resolve things. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> in the movie like Indiana Jones, everything works out in the end. <laughs> yeah. You know? No sense. If, if you look at it, there's a lot of people dying in it. There's a lot of good people kind of get lost in it. But it it, it, is, it, it is painted as a resolution at the end. Mm-hmm. And it's all good. I remember watching the end of number three and just wishing for more. Mm-hmm. Like the way they write off into the sunset at the end, smiling, father and son, you know, I remember just wishing for more and just thinking, I just love how it stops there, that I want more. And then the fourth one comes out years (laughs) later, and it's like, maybe you should have made that right after the third. But the thing is, if they made the fourth one right after the third one, it might have actually been okay. It might have worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think by the time the fourth one came out, we've kind of done aliens and Aztecs Mm -hmm. and Mayans, and we've kind of done it to death, so it wasn't. As fresh, even though it was, but I, I still—I gotta say, I still like the movie. Yeah, I'm still one of those weirdos yeah. who like that movie.
1: I get it, um, man. Yeah. Is there a weird question for you? It's just one <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm trying out. I've been thinking about it recently. Uh, what is the safest you've ever felt? Holy good lord! Or when is the safest? What's the safest moment of your life? There you go. That's probably the that's, best. That's a tough one. Best way to put it. The safest
0: moment of my life. I'll give you a
1: bit of context and a bit of thinking time. Mm. There's a guy called Stephen, i am going to say his name, Borges, Borges, something like that. He's a trauma guy. Yes. And his big thing is... I think my wife has mentioned that name. If you <laughs> want people... If you want to change the world, ah. start by making people feel safe. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And I think becoming a father has really started to drill that into my head, Mm -hmm. where if you can make your kid feel safe, that's 90% of it. Yeah, that's good. And so I was, you know, I've been asking a couple of close friends and myself, you know, what are moments in my life where I, I have felt really safe?
0: That's really good. So contained is a word my wife would use a lot. Like, who makes you feel contained? When have you felt contained? That's... Oh, I got that right, so, honey. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think my mom was really good at containing me because I remember a lot of dreams I had when I was. And they they say this is an ADHD thing, but and my wife is actually kind of going. I don't know if you have ADHD. I think it's trauma is more of the thing than ADHD. Sure. Um, but um, they say that um, being aware of mortality at a young age is not is not. Uh, the norm, like so my son started asking questions at six about death. <clears throat> so I think a natural interest is fine, but I remember I used to really stress out at nights when my mom was saying goodnight to me. I would, I would, I would have anxiety attacks, and, and I guess you would call it now, where I would just be really, really upset, saying, "Mom, if you die, you can't die. Like you can't die. Mm. If you die, I'm, I'm in trouble. I'm, I'm going to be dead too." So, mom was a safe space for me in a, in a really tempestuous childhood. Yeah. Um so i remember that feeling of, of her containing me these nights and and drilling this promise into me that you know she talked about this person called god i didn't really know about and who said you've got to trust that god is never gonna take me until you're ready mm. and i've actually found that my wife is sort of saying that to my son now because he's had a few questions like mommy i don't want you and daddy to die and it's like oh my goodness you're six <laughs> you know have we traumatized you that much already <laughs> and i'm laughing and i'm laughing um but no, he's he's well grounded. um but uh that that's when I felt sick. And I remember getting these images that popped into my head of Star Child again mm-hmm. when I was older. And it was just um me as a toddler in a fetal position floating amongst the stars. And that was a very peaceful image to me. For some reason, it just it just brought me this safe feeling and this peace. And maybe it was you you could say it's God talking to you at the time, mm-hmm. kind of just giving you peace. I don't know. Um but th- those are two safe spaces. And I, I, yeah. And I'm sure there have been moments where I have been like out playing in, in the trees in the forest and kind of felt. I remember a couple of times of being around certain trees and just kind of going, I don't want to move right now. Mm. And I don't know what it was. Um, you can call it what you want, but I, I just remember thinking, I feel really safe right now. So that there have been moments in my life in nature and there are moments with certain people and moments in fantasy where I have felt contained and safe. Yeah, if that's if that's an answer for you.
1: Yeah. Okay, so boyhood was boyhood. Uh, You then kind of move into your teenage years. Oh dear. Tell me about a time where you felt dangerous.
0: (laughs) (laughs) In what way?
1: (laughs) I want to mean to other people or myself. (laughs) What I mean by that is, so when you're a kid. And you grow up in a traumatic environment. Yeah. And when you're a kid in general, so much feels outside of your control. hmm And then there's this moment, and it comes at different stages for different people, where you start to feel like, I have a bit of control here. You know? You maybe start getting physically stronger. You're maybe able to have a little bit of independence. You realize, like, you can make choices for yourself. Mm-hmm. How did the boy turn into a, a cowboy,
0: oh, I guess is what I'm asking. Into a cowboy. Oh, you're going through the stages, aren't you? Nah, <laughs> cowboy stage. Um, I think, to be honest, the first time I stood up to my dad yeah, was, was a, a change, a real shift in our environment at home <laughs> and a change in. Uh, and it's funny uh, looking back on it and feeling a bit of shame as well about it. Of um, standing up to my dad because he is he is my f- he's the father yeah. h- figure in the house, but it was a a really powerful and strong moment because it, it had to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was just one of those times where he he used to kind of go right, you know, sit down kind of thing whenever, whenever you're in trouble, and he would stand over you, you know. And uh, there was one time he just said, "Sit down," and I went, "No," mm-hmm. and it was a like i dropped a bomb in the house it was like, you know uh, 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 well you yeah, know we we don't do that here we don't do that here and and everyone was looking at me going like uh what because <laughs> we were kind of it was like a st- stockholm kind of a syndrome Do you ever see that analogy of of it is it an elephant tied to a tree is it a very young elephant uh with string mm-hmm. no not a big a big chain um it's tied with a big chain and a huge ring around its leg to a tree and as it gets older the chain gets turns into you know less strong it's maybe turned into wire and then it's turned into to rope but the elephant still thinks I'm chained to the tree doesn't realise it's big and strong now I can snap the the the, uh, the rope easily and get away uh, that kind of feeling for us was was definitely uh, definitely the, the case and then so for me to kind of suddenly stand up and go no I don't want to sit down anymore um, and of course you know it was fireworks went off at that point how dare you stand up to me and all this stuff and it was just you know I'm not actually doing it I'm I'm actually just not sitting down. <laughs> and I stayed calm instead of triggered uh yeah. for once and it was like okay and that was a huge shift. Yep. That's when that's when the trouble really kind of started with me and my dad because I, I was becoming a man at that point I think and he didn't know how to live with other men in the house because mm-hmm. he was the the boss. Yeah. But um yeah, I think that was a poignant moment. Mm-hmm. Where I felt danger de- I wouldn't have called it dangerous. I would have called it um defensive for the first time i was yeah. able to protect myself and other people around me for the first time because so yeah i started standing up doing more for other people as well in the house i remember mm-hmm. um from mom and stuff like that yeah
1: you've got one of those accents
0: <laughs> what do you what do you call this accent
1: i call it a uh, citizen of the world a, citizen
0: of <laughs> a world citizen
1: and i definitely uh i've been <clears> been there. Like, I, I'm a bit of a chameleon. Like, I, Did you
0: shift into yeah, American? Yeah, I shift
1: big time, yeah. I even right. shift. I've noticed who I even have on the podcast. Yes. I'll notice I'll shift. Like, um, if I have someone who's, like, real Belfast, yeah, yeah. all of a sudden I'll be, like, talking real Belfast. And I'm like, I never even lived in Belfast. What am I doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So where where was the stage
0: for so mom, All stories you've, t- you've shared so Mom would so call this, uh, she called this a musical ear. Okay. Also, she always called this. You've got a musical ear, you pick up accents. Now, this is my default accent, but if I talk to somebody who has a stronger accent, like a, like a really staunch Belfast, I will move into that, no problem. Mm-hmm. I remember trying to do an, uh, a South African accent for years. I couldn't get it. And then I went there in 2005, and I couldn't lose it. <laughs> I was like, really pleased. But half of them I'm thinking, I'm not taking the piss. I'm not trying to copy you. Yeah, yeah, I can't yeah. help this. Yeah. So if I go to the States, it doesn't take long for it to shift fully yeah. American. Um, but it's, yeah, it's strong. I think it might come from me, it might come from a desire to want to uh, communicate fully. Like I want to be heard. Like I know when I when I talk more Northern Irish is because I'm sick of repeating myself. Because mm-hmm. people will say what what and I just go oh just how and that
1: was me <laughs> with garbage and trash and yes, candy yeah. and sidewalk. But they're and... nice
0: words. <laughs> I like those words. I like saying garbage. It's better than
1: rubbish. <laughs> or you know uh, you know the bin. We talk about the bin man coming. The bin man came today. Yeah yeah. And I'm like bin man's a bit weird, isn't it? Bin man. Bin man. It's very Belfast. Trash collector. Yeah, trash collector. You know. Better than the garbage man, though. No one wants to be a garbage man. No, it's like he's made of garbage.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't work. Yeah. So, where was home for you? Well, see, that's the thing because home because growing up in uh, Germany and England and places like that, I didn't have like we were we were moving so much that it was hard to kind of put down roots at all. So I I'm not patriotic (laughs) in any way. I've been moving so much. Um, Home is basically now just when you feel safe and contained, when you feel, um, it's people when I'm around certain people. So my family is my home, you know, my kids, my wife are my home. My mom has my home. You know, that that's, that's my home, a place. I think it's, it just doesn't make much sense to me logically to get annoyed about a piece of soil whenever you've lived there for 50 years, just because you've been living there 10 years longer than somebody else it's your home. But yet, uh, Hence, before that, you know, ten years hence before that, you, you were fresh to it as well, and you took that from somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's like, yeah, yeah. well, none of us are from here, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> go back far enough. I mean, I think mum's side is French Huguenots, dad's is Russian Jew somewhere. So it's like, well, then you know, and they're from Belfast and Hollywood. Yeah, so they're from here. You know, yeah, um, they were born here. But uh, yeah, it's go back far enough. We're not from anyone from, from here. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> it's kind of silly.
1: I say this with uh, hesitation. We can swerve this. I really wanted to ask you, I even wrote it down. What is it about the sons of pastors, Mm. the sons of missionaries, Mm. and the sons of people in the military that gives them a reputation? That was very sensitively put, wasn't it? That was very... But what do you mean by reputation? So, you know, you hear about, like, I've heard people say like pastor's kids, PKs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, they've got this thing, you know? It's like, they've got this baggage or like missionary brats. Yeah. You know, I remember um, sharing a tent with a guy in Nepal and he was saying like, he was telling the story about his life and then he just went, well, you know, what do you expect from a missionary kid? And I was like, whoa, that's a thing. And then obviously I've heard about military brat and all this sort of stuff. Pad brats, yep. Pad brats? Pad brats, yeah. What's going on there?
0: Well, what have you seen behaviorally? Uh, you're talking about behavior. And you're talking about life decisions. So i I,
1: about? I, I, I'm, I give you like what I know. So, for example, okay, yeah, here's a good one. Uh, the sons and daughters of pastors often completely leave the faith. Yes,
0: yeah, that, that's the one I've I've heard of. Yeah,
1: yeah, uh, I know that there can be a lot of like rebellion. Yeah, I know that in the military context because you're often exposed to a lot of authoritarianism there can be like a real like rebellion against authority
0: right ok 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 yeah I hear
1: you and interestingly from I don't know if this will help lead your answer but there was a study done from a group called Barna mm-hmm. it's like a Christian think tank mm-hmm. and they did somehow this mad research into pastor's kids and the number one reason why pastor's kids walk away from
0: the faith well, what do you, why do you think it is? Um, my, my first gut reaction would be pressure. Yeah. Um, having to live up to that. Yeah. You, know, you know, it's not just about becoming a Christian. Mm-hmm. It's about becoming a leader of Christians. Absolutely. You know? yeah. And that would be a huge, is that, is that close? And
1: the high standard,
0: it's like, yeah. you better not drink, you better not smoke. Like, if yeah. I catch you fooling
1: around with oh, a girl, yes. like da, da, da. Right, so that's what the I, I, I yeah. thought that too. I was yeah. like, yeah, that's easy.
0: Do yeah. you know what it is? Hypocrisy. Oh, witnessing it from, oh, of course it would be, wouldn't
1: it? Isn't that mad? That's really sad. It's really sad. It's the <sighs> the difference between the two standards of external and internal. When I read that, I nearly cried. That's really. I'm sad. not even the pastor's kid, but I, I nearly yeah, cried.
0: Yeah, yeah. Or a pastor as well. <laughs> that's really sad because that that means that the, the, when they go home, they're not showing the their family what they're showing the world. And that's that's not cool. Yeah. That's 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 bad naming stuff, isn't it? Um, that, yeah, didn't see that coming. Should have, I guess. No, makes, I mean, makes
1: sense. I, I, it didn't didn't make sense to me either. Yeah, but I'm wondering what's going on in the the military side of that. Is it that <laughs> externally there's a lot of strength, and um, you know, and you're maybe like
0: perfect. Well, f- for for me, it's different in the sense that I think military kids join the military rather than yeah, reject kids rejecting. Yeah, yeah. Being, being a Christian or a pastor um, yeah there might be an expectation on the family name mm. as well because if you're a military family then continuing that lineage is important um, or it's just natural it, it's strange because being, being raised that way I mean it, it's I appreciate a lot of the things I got from it but the, one of the first things that I was thinking was I don't want I want a family, and military life is not good for families. In my my upbringing, and that's how I equated everything was. Yep. You know, this is bad because we're in the, we're military, um, not because there's alcoholism. <laughs> at first, <laughs> yeah, year, yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah, notice yeah. it at first. That um, that was what it was. I thought every family was this way,
1: mm-hmm.
0: so the, it, it was very different. confusing uh, when I said to my friends in school one time, uh, we're in science class and. The desk was covered. It was a mess. And I just said to my buddies, wouldn't you love to just put one hand here like an arm and just sweep all this on the floor and go clean this shit up? Well, your dad does, you know? And they looked at me and went, and at each other, and I went, my dad's never done that. And that was the first time I'd ever gone, oh, so maybe everyone's not got the same kind of dad. I did not know that. I may have been 12. Sure. 12, maybe first or second form. Yeah. 12 or 13 when, when that happened. So... Uh, yeah what was my point on that <laughs> but it,
1: i noticed that when i got married how different the family cultures were yes was. yeah and i think from the trivial down to like how you yeah. hang washing to how you cook oh yeah. something all the way up to the non-trivial yeah like yeah. how you fight and how you confront each other and Absolutely. how you give feedback but
0: i think everybody in marriage goes through that of like you know this is not how my parents did this and
1: yeah this is hard now, Yeah. but it's it's normal <laughs> to yeah. you, you know. You just think, yeah, this is yeah. the way everyone does things, but it's not, yeah, yeah. There's Some
0: basic things like tea towel usage, <laughs> honey. <laughs> <laughs> I have this whole thing with like um, like hand towels and tea towels. Uh-huh. Right? One's thin and one's thick and furry, right? Yeah, of course. So one's for your hands and one's for drying dishes. Oh, you're one of those guys. I'm one of those guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of those guys. Yeah but you don't let it get in the way. (laughs) No, we love you
1: anyway, you know. That's it. Tell me about the transition between, if we kind of describe the teenage years as the cowboy years, Mm. the transition between that into, here's a better question, when was the first time you felt like a man? And I'm not talking like no no no. I'm 16. I just did a thing. No, 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 no. I'm talking like a sobering like <laughs> yeah. Whoa, I've
0: leveled up here. Le- the level up is the phrase I would use. Absolutely. Um, it's it, it it for me. It's like a computer game computer game borrowing thing of when you level up and you have access to skills and weapons that you didn't have before. Oh. Make sense? Yeah. That's why I call it leveling up. Because there are things that only happen and perspectives you can only have after you've leveled up. So uh, one of the first ones for me, I remember it happening in a moment. And they happen in moments, like immediately not over time periods, just like in a game, level seven, you know, and it flashes on the screen and now you can unlock that your wrist belt. Wrist belt? That's a word. Um, (laughs) Wrist blade. And uh, yeah, it was, my brother uh, was getting married. We're down in Cork and we're at the pre-wedding, practice wedding session and he's standing in front of me and everyone's wearing their civvies, you know, no one's dressed up yet and they're just going through what the ceremony's going to be. I'm just sitting in the second row and I suddenly go, he's getting married. Mm. And I turned to my mom, who's already in tears anyway. And uh, I said, he's getting married. (laughs) And she was, there it is. So I finally gets it, you know, yay, he's on board. And I remember just thinking, uh, wow, this shit is serious. Mm -hmm. As in, life is serious. (laughs) There are things that are important now. And I didn't twig, I didn't, you know, I didn't twig. So I leveled up in that tiny little moment. I didn't know what it was, but I remember that when I'm looking back, when I had other level ups, that's what the first one was. Second one was when I became an uncle mm. and I held Toby, my, my nephew, for the first time. Yeah. Um, and I remember thinking, this shit is serious. Now I have a responsibility. The first time it was like responsibility for you need to kind of grow up. Yeah. The second one was responsibility, you have a nephew, so you need to wise up, you know? Uh, then of course, getting married was another big one. Uh, but the the biggest was becoming a dad, my son, that was the first like there was just so many things in my life that no longer mattered that were not important things I worried about things I stressed about and was anxious mm-hmm. about that just did not matter anymore. And there were way more important things to concern yourself with. you know, I don't know how true this is. I may have paraphrased my wife, but um, this meant to be a part of the brain that physically alters, physically, grows whenever you become a dad what or a parent sorry when you become a mum or a dad um and it's uh, yeah it's a part of the actual brain that actually enlarges slightly And that she will correct me and i'm sure other psychologists around the world <laughs> will go what the hell is he talking about i may have paraphrased her but i think that's what it is and it's in the fear center of the brain whoa yeah and it might be a whole if you want to talk about like survival instincts and all that kind of stuff like you know where's my child <laughs> is it is it nearby me kind of a it might be as basic as that yeah but i think that can get fed upon as well easily by other anxieties mm-hmm. um so you start thinking immediately about you know if you have a daughter for goodness sake oh great story in there as well about having a daughter but i'll get to that but if you have a child you start worrying about you know their future way too soon so first, first child gets a whole lot of anxiety put on them. <laughs> they say that first children like, are, are more cautious than, than the next children. Yeah. And that's probably because we did that to them. Yeah. You know, don't move, where are you going? You know,
1: under they're crawling, they're moving. Um, I love seeing families who have like lots of kids, yeah, like yeah, yeah. seven kids. Yeah, yeah. And you know, like... The, the youngest is kind of just like hanging out the back of the boot in the <laughs>
0: car <laughs>
1: meanwhile I'm over here like like you know triple belting like my newborn into the yeah, thing yeah. and like driving carefully over like speed bumps Slow I remember the, speed the bumps. first time I went for a walk <laughs> with um my daughter in the prom. Yeah. Like honestly, I was like tilting the prom up yes. every single curb. Yeah. yeah I yeah. was like going really slowly. I was elevating it to make sure that her head wasn't falling back too much. And then her granny came over and her granny was like, Do you want to go for a walk? I see absolutely and she was like
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was like, That's my daughter <laughs> Like a wheelbarrow bouncing it around. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's so true. And everybody does it, I think. Um the first kid just gets so much more put on them and like because it's, it's there. There was like the, the stupid cliche. There was no manual. There was no. There was nothing. We we didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. We knew the basics of how to stick food in that end and take care of what comes out the other. <laughs> but I mean, I still googled like the second part of that. I was like, how
1: do you change a nappy?
0: Not- yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. I think they showed me in the in the hospital. Really? I don't remember. when We remember.
1: were a COVID baby, so we just oh, uh, flip. Yeah, we were just like, have fun, kid. Good luck.
0: Yeah, yeah, we got this. You got, you got this. Kid. <laughs> you got this. You're fine. Uh, you have a boy, yeah? I have a little girl. Oh, you have a girl? Two years old. So you started with a girl.
1: Let me wow. fast track the, where we're going to go. Okay. Why is it that whenever you have a son, you become a father? <laughs> and when
0: you have a daughter, right, you become a man? So this is a buddy of mine in the States uh, called Ricky, who I, I stayed with for a couple of days um, because we were looking at human trafficking. Um, and doing a documentary on human trafficking. And Ricky was talking to me about, you know, being a dad. And I, I think I said to him, I never want a daughter. Because I was studying human trafficking, for goodness sake. You know what I mean? And I was seeing what men were like yeah. um, in the basest level and just thinking, how the hell do you raise a daughter in that world? Mm-hmm. And Ricky said to me, when you have a son, you become a dad and when you have a daughter you become a man and i heard the challenge in his in his statement and i said i have to i have to do this because i have to i have to i have to complete the game of life this 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 game that we're playing and i think things like going to university and 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 getting married and all those things i think they kind of sh- they change me into better versions of me every single time I remember writing on Facebook something like uh, becoming a parent can make you the best version of yourself if you let it. It can also make you into a complete monster <laughs> yeah, if you don't. But rising up to the challenge of be- trying to become a good parent and working hard at it, I think, will make you the best version of yourself.
1: I agree with that. I think it's right. like marriage on steroids. It's, yeah. it's yeah. character formation of the highest level. Yes. Because every yes. other piece of my life. Like I can come in here and I can put on a show and right. I can be professional and I can be innovative and creative yeah. and then I can go home and be a monster. Yeah, uh, <laughs> And I, I, I can't, make a pastor's kid. Yeah, yeah. I can't box my family like that. No. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. they see me and I see them yeah. at the worst. Yeah, And in the tiredness and in the late nights and somebody's sick mm-hmm. and this has happened and it's the relentless of that—that's that, it. I think is the
0: the hard bit, but also the the gold. That, it's in that space. It's it's in that space that, that that happens when you are like it's it's like SAS deprivation training. <laughs> it's we need to see you at the very very worst how yeah. you will handle things. So we're going to bring you to the very end of yourself, and then go, and here's one more. Mm. did you go over the edge or did you stick with the plan and that's what I think parenting is and I think marriage is absolutely like that Mm. and parenting is all of that minus sleep you know when you you cannot physically find time for yourself to take care of yourself half the time you know Um, and you can make you can you can squeeze that in at a cost of your family Mm. or you can push harder and I know I've definitely squeezed in plenty of moments where I just go I have to leave (laughs) Sure. I have to go outside that door now. Yeah. Because if I don't, people may die. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want you guys to see this. So it's it's being asked to be on form all the time. Yeah. You know.
1: Just a quick
0: point on going outside.
1: You know, you mentioned earlier there's times where you're on trees and it made you feel very wow. safe. Your yeah. nature is a very ground force. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I thought this was really interesting. Like, now that there's young kids in my life, whether mm. it's my daughter or other people's kids. Yeah. Uh, or even, like, you know, crash, like, you know, volunteering on crash in church or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And when you take kids outside, it changes them. <laughs> Something changes. And I just, yeah. that's all I wanted to say. I just was an observation because I think it's really interesting.
0: Well, was it John Aldridge was talking about that when he was talking about we were we were actually, bo- we were made to be outdoors. Mm. Like, we were if you want to talk about the origin story of Adam and Eve, we weren't born in a house. <laughs> we were born out. So we were created outside. We lived outside. We didn't go indoors. So they talk a lot about taking your shoes off when you're outside for grounding and things like that. Um, I think there's... I know for, for me, when I walk outside the front door, there is a shift in me immediately. Mm. There is a... like Even times when I have been like just triggered heavily and I'm like, I need to get outside this. I need to get outside before I, I scream and shout and swear um, as soon as I open the back door and I cl- feel it close behind me, I feel like a reset button is hit. Mm. So I don't need this long walk. They I thought I needed. I yeah. just go. Oh, I've already, I've already come down. I, I've cultivated my back door is a massive presence of you know exchange happens there. Yeah. So it might just be that that's all I needed that time was to step out there. But definitely, I think with kids, like John was even saying, like telling kids to take off their shoes outside, they do it naturally. They want to run around barefoot. So I think we need to learn from that and do something similar. We need to actually get outside more, get a deep breath. But anytime you feel like... I was talking to a buddy last night, Gav, who was even saying, I just need to get out to the mountains. I just need to get outside. And I don't mean go to a park in the middle of inner city Belfast or football field. I need to get... And my expression of a friend called Ross, we talk about this all the time, uh, of I need to get lost. I need to be lost. Yeah. We started looking uh, in Northern Ireland for places to get lost. And it was impossible yes, to go to the, wil- the wild, the wild Northern Ireland or, yeah. or, or, or Southern or Ireland, you know, the whole thing, because, um, within 15 minutes, there's a, a farm or 50, there's a road. Um, so I remember going to Canada. I think the, the answer was, I need to go to Wales or Scotland to get a bigger sense of that and be really lost. Um, I went to Canada to see my gruncle, um, at the time, my, my great uncle. And, uh, he lived up in, oh, is it called Blue Mountains? Seven hours north of uh, Toronto. And here's me thinking I'm driving into the wilderness. And then you look at the map, you've done this, and Canada is thi- <laughs> way bigger. you know? And that's all you've done in seven hours. But I remember going to his back garden, and his back garden had trees. His house was surrounded by tall ash trees. Uh, or beech trees I can't remember which one it was the white ones (laughs) and uh, there were deer would come to the back door yo I remember just going can I just go for a walk in that direction and within about a few minutes I felt lost properly lost Mm. Um, now I have a good sense of direction I know how to get home but I I felt I am alone yeah and I don't know why but I've got to be in that space to find out maybe who I am or re-center or whatever it is I want to get lost Mm. um I think if you're like that, I was going to say men in general. But if you're like that, then you need to find that yeah. space in your life to reground who you are and why you're doing all this. Yeah. So when you go back to your work and back to your family, you're actually you've centered all that and you know what's important. You've remembered the level you're on. <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, yeah, love that. Glad we did that bit. Yeah, it was good.
1: I want to go back to the the daughter son thing. Yeah. Why There's more there. Why did your friend... Ricky?
0: Ricky, yeah, yeah.
1: And I, I totally get it with human trafficking and, and pornography and all this sort of stuff. But why do you think having a daughter is different than having a son? What did having a daughter... Because you had a son first, right? Yeah, thankfully. <laughs> what did... Training ground. Having a daughter second do to you? Like, if you we use your... Like analogy of the video game, what extra Mm. bits of gear, what
0: areas of strength kind of grew from. It calls out of you what a real man's meant to be, because you have to teach this girl what she should be looking for. Mm. That's it, right? So <laughs> your just went, oh I think that's it. So it therefore calls the best of you to come to the fore. Wow. Because she is watching this. She's gonna base every relationship and every decision with men based on your performance right now. I think that's it. I th- I think that's it. I got chills, so I think I think that that feels right to me. Um yeah. Because I I remember watching oh, I shouldn't mention my name, but watching this very famous motivational speaker who's very rich. <clears throat> Not his name. Um, somebody stood up in his audience one time and just explained their story. And he said, what was your dad like? And uh, she said, oh, my dad was the best. My dad was loving. He was there for me. He was kind. He, was, he just showed me what men were like, you know. And this sensationalist kind of guy just went, what a mother... F- and just everyone was, Whoo! what an audacious thing to say about it. What everyone would suspect would be, you know, oh, lovely. But he d- it went the other way. And he said, this guy ruined you for life. He set the bar way too high. You would never find a man like that. And I thought, you scumbag. Mm. That's exactly what a dad is meant to do. He is meant yeah. to set the bar extremely high so that no girl, no woman ever settles for less than being treated like the queen she should be. And being treated like she is sought after, precious, valuable mm. to be around, and worth chasing, worth saving. Imagine a woman who feels that way. Just really interesting. You
1: put words to something that I have felt and experienced that I haven't been able to articulate before, mm. and it was meeting and being in a relationship with my now wife's father. Mm. And I felt... And I still feel when I spend time with him, hmm. it feels like this. And you know what that is? That's me rising up to his standard. Rising his standard. Because I know that he he is an honourable man. And he is a fighter and he's done some incredible awesome. things. And that's what I felt. Like the first time I went to Germany, hmm. I felt like a little boy. <laughs> like I felt like I was about six years old. Why? Because what way because of how manly this guy was right and it's not like he's like it's not like he's like super muscly or it's not like he can like yeah, you know like yeah. build a house made out of you know trees he finds in a forest yeah. but there's just he is that rock to his family oh, yeah, yeah yeah. and yeah. when I spent time with him I felt myself I felt that guy was being pulled up
0: yeah by him yeah and that's really cool that's awesome, dude. Yeah. That's, and that, that's the thing, is, it's realizing that when you're, you're now a leader, you're no longer this follower, you're no longer this little boy. Mm. Uh, when you've got kids, I have to lead these practice humans, these L-plate people.
1: There's a big transition <clears throat> that I, th- I feel like I maybe have only experienced in recent years, which is fine because I'm young. And that is, whenever you're a teenager, well, when I was a teenager, I was super critical Mm -hmm. of everything and everyone Mm -hmm. who was further along than me. So Mm -hmm. my teachers were useless. My leaders were useless. Mm -hmm. uh, The way people did things was wrong. And if I was in charge, I would do everything so much differently. Wow. That was kind of like a big bit of baggage that I carried around. Mm -hmm. And... There has been multiple sobering moments in recent years right? where all of a sudden, you're that guy. <laughs> now it's your turn.
0: Hmm. What are you going to do? Hmm. And were these people that you were criticizing, were they doing a good job or not doing a good job? A, a mixture of both. Okay.
1: So, you know, some of it's valid, some of it's not. Well, were you, were you criticizing uh,
0: failure moments that they'd had,
1: yes, but I also was just um I wasn't overly critical, but i, I definitely had a sense that like these people are not they're failing yeah. they're not rising up to what they could be and should be, and I've been smacked in the face in recent wow. years, yeah, 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 where it's like okay, big boy, your <laughs> turn you're you're, you're now out. that person, yes, like you're now the the you're now yeah. the youth leader, yeah. who's <clears throat> stewarding 16-year-olds in your community. Yeah. Like, you're now the guy who is in business. Mm-hmm. You're now the dad. You're now the husband. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah. it's your turn what to show us. What are you going to make the better? Yeah. 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 And I think that has been really profound and very scary <laughs> and very exciting.
0: Yeah. Because you can rise yeah. up to it. In that order.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. you also cannot rise up to it.
0: <clears throat> yeah, you can miss it. You can totally... Um, you can miss it entirely, like like I said. It, it can make being a dad can make you the best version of yourself, or, or not. Mm. It's your call. You can decide to to face it and fight it and go along with with it. Yeah. Or you can just it's it's like like uh, if you have trauma, if you have any problems, any any hangups, any buttons, things like that. You can completely allow them to stay, or you can go. I see the bigger picture here of what happens if I stay mm. a mess. Because, I mean, my my dad, like, I mean, he was messed up as a kid. And this has brought me a lot of healing as to why he reacted in certain ways. And things that he just, like, even recently. So we have a really good relationship now, which is a freaking miracle from God. It has to be that he is able to be this person now. And actually, actually a dad to me. He had no idea. Because he didn't, he wasn't surrounded by you know psychologists every day on the internet on you know on his phone telling him you need healing. <laughs> you know, he did. I married a trauma specialist for goodness sake. So it's a yeah. Talk about your serendipitous yeah. blessing, destiny, whatever you want. Um. <clears throat> so he even recently just saying to him, Dad, do you realize that when that happens, that's a huge attachment issue right there. Yeah. Like that's you not firmly attached to, to your parents, to your mom. That that's. Do you realize what that does to a kid? So he is feeling this, you know, like I, I'm giving him grace and he is feeling the mercy, he's feeling, but also the recognition of I'm not this evil bastard. Yeah. Because this is the most annoying thing about my dad that I, I knew growing up. I watched him with other kids and he would just seem like the most amazing dad mm. with other people. And I remember being really angry going, that's not what he's like with me. Yeah, of course. But I, th- th- what really annoyed me the most was the fact that my dad had a good heart in there. And I knew he did. I don't know if, if if everyone would agree with that, but I could see a good heart in him. And I have I have a gift for that, seeing potential in people yeah. and seeing what they could become and looking past raw to, you know, and maybe growing up with him taught me that, mm-hmm. of just look, being able to look past the raw and see the real person inside and what, what fences they're putting up, yeah. what facade. And uh, I just remember looking at him and going, you have actually a really good heart in there. Yeah. It's just smothered in years of shit. yeah, You know? what's what you've been dealt but also not to excuse your behavior um you need to deal with that yeah and god bless him since he has spotted and had access to these things he has made real changes you know Uh, he lives in thailand (laughs) so it's (laughs) hard it's it's a lot easier to have relationships at distance like that i would love him to to see him again but um there were times where i just never wanted to
1: yeah mention and I, i think one of the things that is uh enabled or helped me along in that transition i was just talking about a few minutes ago Mm. is that empathy where you realize ah that person you were so critical of
0: this is why yeah Yeah. and also if i'm not careful i'm on track yeah to the same thing because i'm saying the same stuff that he said like i hate you i'm never going to be like you yeah and you know i'm kind of going i see a repetition happening here maybe i maybe better change my thinking and my path here so
1: yeah trauma casts a really long shadow in your life Mm. you know decades long yeah that's a good phrase and I think it's interesting you know I don't know who it was was it Young maybe or something says something like you know the best place to keep your shadows right in front of you very good (laughs) (laughs) very good I love that Um, talk to me about you said you have a gift for seeing behind people's facade and seeing a good heart where maybe other people don't right hmm uh, talk to me about a big scary guy wearing a big scary mask. <laughs>
0: an airsofting? Ah, uh, airsofting. Um, yeah, th- this this came under the um, the the sense that I'd learned that I was an atmosphere changer, and I didn't know what that phrase meant. I can't remember if somebody spoke it over me or, or it popped it in my head or one or the other, <coughs> maybe both, maybe all three. Um, but I was I was. I could change atmospheres, and I didn't know what that meant. So I remember going aerosofting for the first time. I went by myself. I felt like it was something I needed to move into. Um, and I remember we'd all done the sign-in thing, and then you go and stand in the field and wait for the ref to come out and spit into teams and send you off. And I'm standing out there, and everybody's just got this huge f off kind of look on their faces. You know, like, look like, how big my gun is <laughs> <laughs> I am now 10 feet taller with this gun and they're wearing you know uh, face protection so some will have like just goggles on grills but one guy had this big scary mask on like a, like a Halloween kind of mask and I remember walking out there and kind of going ugh this tension I can't stand this tension I hate this tension everyone's got F off right in their foreheads because everybody's actually scared yeah you gotta say Something? No? No. <laughs> you're your like, you're about to go, um... Yeah, so everyone's just actually... Just smiling. Just smiling. <laughs> Everyone is actually feeling the same way I am. I'm assuming so. That we all feel like, oh, this is horrible. Just don't make eye contact, you know? And that's Northern Irish as well. I'm not that kind of guy because I wasn't born here and raised They're in in world. the world, but not of it. <laughs> in the world, not of it. Sure, we'll take that. And uh, I just felt, right, I could, I could just join in with this and we could all stand here in silence, all... F- 50 of us and until the whistle goes and actually I wonder how the game is going to go after that is there going to be tension and fighting and kind of grumpiness or I could try and I could try and talk to somebody so I thought and I hate this I hate doing I think I'm introverted I think I'm I think I'm introverted. I, I I love people, but I'd rather be invisible <laughs> <laughs> and just kind of people watch and listen to conversation. So yeah, I, I walked up to this guy who, who he just stuck out because he was really tall and he had a, a really cool gun and uh, a face mask. I'm new to all this, so I walk up to him and go, "Do that mask? is terrifying." And he, he looked at me like, uh, "What?" Um, no, you're terrifying. Don't no, no. talk to me. Don't <laughs> talk to me. Because I'm thinking you probably want it to be terrifying to keep people away from you possibly as well, but um, and to make you feel like you know. I'm a big man, too. So I walked up and just said, that mask is terrifying, dude. Um, Where'd you get it? And he said, "Um, well, I made it myself. So you made that yourself. So I just opened into this huge, like, dude, how? What inspired you? Where'd you get the idea? How did you, like, what materials? All that kind of stuff. And within about a minute, he pulled it off his face to talk Mm. properly to me. And I just went, whoa, there's a human. Less scary and interesting. And he was just, like, really happy to talk about it. I said, so what's this gun you've got? I've never seen this one before. I, uh, <laughs> I didn't know what the gun was and and uh, how do I get one of those? And he goes, oh, this is here. I've modded it with this. I've put these internals in and I've done this silence from the end and all that kind of stuff. And I just started to notice because um, we were in a loose gathering. I just started to notice people starting to drift a little bit closer and closer, mm. and, closer and closer and closer. And I'm like, oh, something's happening here. Um, and then when he finished talking, this other kid chimed in. Oh, I've got this gun. and I like this and I did this. This to it, and then they're getting close and everyone's gathering around and i'm like it pops right in my head right afterwards atmosphere changer and mm-hmm. i'm like oh that's the thing with the, okay so that costs me a lot but i can do that mm-hmm. that costs me because I, I and i know i've been airsofting times and gone i'm not doing it today i'm gonna join the tension <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> i'd be part of the problem yep. but um the game i think afterwards was a lot more from other games i've played since it was very respectful mm-hmm. Like when you hit somebody and you hit them hard in the face, um, there's a, oh, nice shot, buddy. Instead of like, All right, that guy in that hat. I'm, I'm going to kill you. you. he yeah, will yeah, yeah, respawn yeah. and get you later, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I definitely feel that is that's something that people like who have that gift are mm-hmm. called to do that. I know that I can talk to strangers. I love talking to strangers. Yeah. Uh, I was in a, a masterclass recently with um, Declan Lawn and Adam Patterson for directing and screenwriting. Um, the same thing happened. You're in the Strand Cinema. No one's talking. Everyone's sitting there. And there's maybe 100 of us. Mm-hmm. I went, Ugh, And I just turned around. <laughs> hey, what's your name? <laughs> and the guy was like, what? You know. And we got talking about his career and wants to be a writer and all this stuff. And it was great. I'm thinking, wow, that could have been a missed opportunity to get to know somebody and yeah. for him to be known. And this is the thing. This is the key. I think people want to be known. Mm -hmm. They may not want to talk. They may not want to introduce themselves, but I think they want to be known and celebrated. I think they want people to look at them and go, I like what you've done there. I like this. They want this relationship to be drawn into. Not not like, you know, everyone wants to be friends. Everybody wants to be known. Mm -hmm. And I think, therefore, that's, that's the gift I have, is that I want to know them and I want them to feel known. I want them to be celebrated. I want them to my name is Timmy and I love this Yeah, and I'm good at this. And someone tell me I'm good at this, please. And at the same time, someone tell me where I need to improve. Mm-hmm. And that's the accountability structure of, of the, of the, the friendship groups, you know, the communities where we like men's groups where we do get in to talk to, get close to each other and actually say, you know what, buddy, you're becoming a dad next year, right? Can we talk about some of these things in your life? Cause you've, you've asked me before mm-hmm. if, uh, if to point out things to you. And so I want to point this out to you. I think you might struggle to continue this kind of behavior mm. when you're a dad or, you know, anything like that. Yeah. I think that's why they're so important men need to have these, commu- these tribes. We need to be in packs. It's like that stupid <laughs> phrase. The lone wolf makes no sense to me because a wolf is a pack animal. <laughs> it's built to be in a pack, right? Yep. And I know sometimes a wolf gets kicked out and has to find, but I think it finds another pack. It makes another pack. We are pack animals. We are designed to be together. Um, did I ramble for long enough? That no, I'm trying. That to was, it was perfect. <laughs> what Clip was that. It? Clip that. That's good. That's Cut. good. <laughs> <laughs> Cut all that. But um, I, I really
1: I love the story about the paintball because it shows me airsoft. Excuse
0: me. Um, I beg your pardon. I'm just hearing all my airsoft. Oh going, no! He's <laughs> Get that guy. You didn't correct him. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sorry, guys. Uh, yeah, I love the sto- the airsoft story. Yeah, yeah. Because. It shows me that, you know, behind the kind of the bravado and the macho macho is like, it's just boyish hearts who want to show you how cool they're done. Absolutely. And, you know, I love that big scary guy because, like, you know, that guy made his own mask. Like, you know, stereotypically in the culture, taking a wide view, that's not a very hyper masculine thing to do today. Right. Now back in the day if you were like in the tribe and you were making war masks well, that's survival. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, extremely macho. Yeah. But now you Oh know, this is
0: yeah, you, you, cosplay you, you, kind you of you could
1: turn around yeah. and you could be like, Oh look, look at you and your wee paint set. Like nah, nah, you know what I mean? But <laughs> yeah, yeah. it shows me how there is that other side of masculinity as well. There is a softness, there is a vulnerability, and I love that phrase you used. There is a desire to be known. Yeah. And I love how all the boys start coming together where it's like, look at me. That's it. Look at me. me it's next. like Me
0: next. Me next. It's yeah.
1: like that desire for a father to look at you as yeah. well. Do you know what I mean? It's like, tell yeah. me how cool I am. Like, I yeah. want to show you my thing. And you see this in little boys, but I think yeah. there's a part of it. I think, also think that's why men gravitate towards things like airsoft and things like sport yeah. because it gives them an arena to show off how big and strong they are and, and their dominance yeah. and for other men to be impressed by that, you know? Absolutely. With like... Uh, Sharing your feelings and, What's that, and, that and all that
0: sort of edification, stuff? Uh, peer 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 edification. I don't think about a phrase there, but yeah, when we um, validate peer yeah. validation, or we look at each other and say, "Yeah, you're worthy." Yeah, because maybe our dads didn't say enough. Yeah, you know, and we're finding it wherever we can. Yeah, um, the
1: paintball story. I used it this morning. So on the bus, right. right so I too I'm an introvert I too like talking to people right where's the camera so I can spike it surprise surprise because <laughs> I make a podcast yeah yeah uh, I love talking to strangers right and different po- points in my career I would spend a lot of time talking to strangers whether it was drug addicts or homeless or whatever Yeah. and I've kind of got a bit lazy recently right where I just you know I finish work or I'm with my family and I'm just kind of like I'll just take it easy mm-hmm and I, the bus was very full this morning and I sat beside a guy and he was a scary guy right he looked awesome. really scary and as soon as I saw him I remembered the paintball story yeah and so I intentionally sat beside him someone was going to have to eventually and I just said something like I took my coat off and I was like uh, how you, you know, how's it going mate like uh, yeah, yeah. how's your morning going I can't even remember what it was and we talked for about 40 minutes awesome Love it. I didn't want to share too much, but. um, Oh, I feel emotional now. Uh, At various points in the conversation, rolled up his sleeve, showed me all the scars. (sighs) Wow. Told me about his suicide attempts. Wow. Told me about being an alcoholic. Come Uh, on, man.
0: That's awesome.
1: I'm a suicide survivor as well. So, you know, we we talked a lot about that. And, you know, he had a really rough nine years. I think he tried to kill himself 10 times. Shapers. And he's come out of that now and he's got a job and he's, he's got a family and he's working and he's working through it and he's doing his thing and I asked him what changed Yeah, and he told me one of his friends killed himself and that's what did it for him mm. was for him to see the impact and the result of the thing that he so desperately longed for yeah. showed him that he didn't want it Wow! and that conversation will, will stay with me and I think it'll stay with him too and I was like this is what you and I are looking to do yeah. with this series yeah like you <laughs> have some very scary men lined up <laughs> for us to speak with you have men who hmm. uh, on paper are tough guys and maybe not everyone would want to approach them hmm. now, but yeah yeah uh, so tell me what are we going to do and why are we going to do it
0: so touch <clears throat> what we've been talking about on morning explains why i think people can get a gist of why we should be doing this um one of the main feelings for me was maybe a decade ago i was watching like this world war ii documentary on uh, on youtube and like I, I just love history who never whoever was going to guess that from my <laughs> scores from school that i loved history um and uh, somebody commented, I was reading some of the comments, which I sometimes do, not really often. Um, somebody commented, <clears throat> do you know, someday this caliber of human being, something, to, they used the word caliber. And the sentence was, was something like, um, this caliber, caliber of human being was um, is, doesn't exist anymore, that kind of thing. And it was people, survivors of the war. So people talking about just what they... Believed in and, and uh, like, like simple things like holding a door open for somebody and little simple things, all the way to the big things of how to really, really be courageous in in, in life as well as in moments. And I just remember we, we had a conversation in these comments back and forth, me and a few people. And I just thought, we need to save this. Hmm. We need to capture it. We're going to have a day someday soon where all those people will be gone. Or people who survived. I think the the last. There was something celebrated in the RAF hundred year thing, I think possibly, of um, the last pilots and the last people, the last fella Spitfire flyer, something like that. I remember it recently, <clears throat> and we are we are going to lose this wisdom, this caliber of human being. So I remember thinking, how do we save this? How do I? I thought, well, I'm a filmmaker. Why don't I capture? Some videos when I film some people when I interview some people, no idea that you were. Well, actually, this is way before that. It would have been before that. You've been doing this three year, years, two years. I've been doing this for five years, maybe six. Five
1: or six I get years. A bit sketchy. Yeah. depends if you count like Instagram yeah. stories, is that?
0: Well, yeah, you were <laughs> investing in this, which became Best of yeah, Belfast yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So You've been yeah. doing it for that long, I think. So that that, that inspiration came for me then, and then I remember uh, about the same time. Five, six years ago, I saw for the first time uh, Seinfeld on Netflix doing uh, comedians in cars getting coffee. And I was so taken by the humanity in the, these celebrities of the things that they worry about, the things that they think about. Um, a lot of it was inaccessible because, you know, do you know when you're driving down Hollywood Boulevard in your Bentley? And, uh, <laughs> you know, just, you just, know, I'm thinking, yeah, that's not accessible for half yeah, the population. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and I just kind it's of It's a thought, fantasy world to enter into though. It is. It was it was nice to go, what are these people like behind the cameras? Um, but I kinda of thought, you know what, there are pl- everybody, everybody's got a story, right? Everybody on the planet has a story. Um, so what makes their story less valuable than than these celebrities? I thought well wonder can I get coffee houses involved to kind of go and meet people and I tried designing this like you know portable kit that's always in my bag of two cameras and a mic and um, I experimented for a long time and the audio was always a problem I just thought this isn't going to work and I started converting my garage into a studio um, because I kept meeting these people who had such wisdom that I wanted to capture and not um, I remember with the BBC they had this archiving thing Uh, I got asked to come in and help another guy talk A friend of mine called Neil Powell who's hopefully coming on the show and it was it was we want to uh, the producer was telling me something like we want to capture these stories of what people talked like and sounded like Mm. and a little bit of who they were in the culture and environment at the time for future people to find Um, so you know you're digging through the rubble (laughs) and you find a recording kind of thing oh look you know there's somebody from 2004 talking Um, I kind of felt like no people need to hear this today Mm. people need to be able to find this again where where was that guy who said that thing i want to hear that again um to have these little moments that could help them level up you know Um, so i thought well why don't we try doing the videos and put it on youtube and i have no idea how you get a following and all that kind of stuff and so it just became this thing that i'm talking about lots and not doing Mm -hmm. Enter Matthew, and uh, I'm like, here's how this could work. Okay, let's talk about getting the guys on this show. Yeah, and doing a segment which we're going to name something like Wild Wisdom or something like that. It's why dude. It's Wild Wisdom. Is it Wild? Wisdom That's We're it, sticking man. with that. You Great. said
1: Wisdom so many times, sir. I was like, that was my confirmation. Was like, because it's been like Wild <laughs> This, Wild That. It's Wild Wisdom. Wild Wisdom. Yeah, yeah. man.
0: And, and I think it's it's for me the focus for now the focus because I wondered why I'm not focusing on on women. Mm-hmm. And why I'm not focusing on young men. I so said, why am I not why am I not drawn to their stories right now? And it could be for the future, but right now it's older men. I want to hear their experiences, what they think at the towards the later years of their life, what they've learned, you know? Where the wisdom has come from and, 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 and their conclusions to things. And there may be a lot of bigotry and racism comes out it will be awful <laughs> but at the same time there's still something almost beautiful about oh bless you you know <laughs> you're not really changing much, I think, and that's you I know think that's honesty you. <laughs> honesty
1: is interesting honesty yeah. and capturing people the way they are is always something that i've been yeah. very very interested yes. in yeah and i think you know we've talked a lot about different stages of kind of like the masculine journey mm. and uh the guys you're talking about and that you're bringing in our you know, yeah,
0: use the, word, use the word sages. Yeah, yeah. They're,
1: they're people that's who interesting. are at the end of their life and can look back on their life with a perspective you and I can't yet access. Absolutely. You know, no. and uh, I'm really interested to tap
0: into that. Yeah. Uh, and there is a question of if we're taught it, can we learn it? Mm. Because I think wisdom is something that's very different than, it's very different to like, you know, smarts, intelligent, streets. Smart. Yeah, it's yeah, very yeah. different. Wisdom is something yeah. I think is like a revelatory.
1: You have to experience yeah. wisdom. But you can obtain knowledge,
0: knowledge without and, experience. Yeah, you can get smarts. Can you get smarts? Or are you just smart? It's, yeah. Dumb question. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think wisdom is, is is revelatory. It happens after experience. It happens after mm-hmm. moments. You 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 gain it. But I think you cannot gain it too. You cannot learn from things. Yeah, it's true. Um, so I, I'm hoping that... My fear was that future generations would not have the wisdom of... Those that calibre of people yeah. to access and what would happen to the state of our world as time there's a great movie called um, oh it's gone from my brain it's called uh, I have to look it up subtitle to come up um, it, it's about um, a guy th- th- they find the most average man <laughs> and the most average woman okay. and they put him into a sleep stasis pod to, to I don't know for how long they were intending but it goes too far 500 years in the future, something like that. Um, And uh, they wake up and they're now the smartest people on the planet. And it's hilarious. It's just like you know they're wondering why they have no crops because they're trying to water their fields with Gatorade. (laughs) (laughs) And little things like that. So he realizes I'm actually quite useful here. And that that always kind of makes me think, what's going to happen in the future if we lose too much wisdom from Mm. from that time period? Because the war was a huge learning curve Mm -hmm. for everybody on what's really, even just taking the pandemic, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know, and someone has used the phrase global trauma, which I think is very apt, right? Even just using that two year year kind of traumatic moment for the entire planet. There's a lot we've shifted in Mm -hmm. with relationships, how we do relationships, how we, and so many people who have not come back outside again. I meet friends now and again, I haven't seen in a long time. And I say, I'm sorry, I haven't seen you in ages. And they go, don't worry, we've seen nobody. And you're kind of thinking, wow, nobody is – there are people who are still hermitized. They're still – hermitized? Who are still staying indoors in a, in a culture that is very, you know, I don't really want to share who I am right now. Mm. That's dangerous, right? Yeah. Because we're not naturally outgoing people. Yeah. Um, so I, I think there's a real rescuing has to happen of reaching in and pulling people people out. And that's what I definitely feel like I've started doing in the past few months is, is, is mm. calling guys I haven't seen in, in months and going, how are you doing? Crap? Right, let's get a coffee. Yeah. You know, let's go And, and they're, they're reporting back with, wow, I feel like things are breaking off me. I feel like mud is kicking, that was caked on me, is starting to fall away. And I'm like, we need this, guys. Yeah. Go and do it to other guys too, you know, go and, go and spread that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that was only like a two-year, like there was – Mm. i mean the world war flipping two is (laughs) i can't imagine what the heck that did to your daily routine (laughs) of just you know there's the street i walk down every day and play football oh now there's a tank in it you know and all the buildings are gone that i just we can't fathom that but these people can Mm. and that's why i want to hear them talk love it man you know
1: and like my side of the story is Mm. you know i'm a, a podcaster with 300 audio episodes and i was looking to get into video And then we sat beside each other at a a breakfast, Yeah, Uh, all about men. (laughs) All about men, with John Eldridge. With John Eldridge, yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, like... Just lined up. It's awesome. It's working. So yeah, Wild Wisdom, that's what we're calling it. Wild Wisdom. And we're going to roll it out. It's going to be Fancy Pants video podcast series. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you're watching today, you'll see that Sai has turned our humble audio studio into an absolute... Wizardry place. Look at all these switches. Dun, 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 dun. I actually really eased into the switching, right? Like about you're, half you're ha- half an hour into the conversation, I'm like, yeah, I can totally I do both at it. the same time. I told you, you get yeah. It. I didn't know. I didn't believe myself when
0: I said that, but <laughs> I told you. you'd Get it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad to be convinced.
1: Oh man, no, you did a great <laughs> so, job. So so good, and I really I really enjoyed all the things that you shared today. It was really cool
0: oh, thank to, you. to dig thank into some you. of that. It's it's good to kind of have somebody ask you really pertinent questions like that to remind you of things as well. Yeah. Because I remembered stuff that I, that I forgot. And it, it, you can be on like, you know, 100 miles an hour on your course going, I know I'm meant to go this direction, but you kind of forgotten why sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like I've been reminded of some of my, uh, my earlier revelations and why they were there. And it's given me that passion again of, yeah, I've got to do this. Mm. So thank you for that. Cool. I'm
1: trying to think of uh uh, plane landing question to wrap it all up I've got two we'll maybe do both um, what's the kindest thing someone's
0: ever done for you oh come on my memory is the worst the kindest thing that anyone has ever done I'll have to come back to that because I, I know there are millions of things that people have done Like like things like just even somebody spotting me and saying like an older brother or a father figure spotting me and just going, Hey, we should get a coffee. See, stuff like that. Mm. Let's just all, all the way down to someone just paying for my meal. I remember one time where I took, I took, um, hopefully is going to be a guest on this show. Um, a mate of mine. I took him and, and his wife out for lunch and this friend of ours, I wonder, should I name him? I wonder, should I name him? Um, He he paid for our meal. He was in the in the restaurant too, and he just paid for the meal. And I know for me, I expect that of Christians. I expect that those events to happen. That you know, there will be moments in life where you just can't explain stuff and you just got to accept it, right? And uh, but what it did for him was huge. Mm. He was talking about it for a long time. He still would bring it up. Mm -hmm. You know, why did he do that? You know, it's called kindness of strangers. You know, Mm -hmm. it's a good thing. Do you remember? um, is it Foy Vance is a song? Ran- uh, not Random Act of Kindness. He does Consider a, this... Yeah, he does have can, that. Yeah. yeah. That song, the, the, fab. And then it's a guy who had a a company called Ark and it's uh, Random Acts of Kindness. Yeah it, should, yeah, yeah, it should have been a rack, but Ark. <laughs> so I think, yeah, those things. But for me, the kindest thing was, was would have been the father figures who have rescued me, seen, seen somebody on the path of destruction, a young fella going the wrong way, and grabbing me and going hey let's get a coffee I didn't know what that meant at the time and I, let's transform you <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah that's it's like uh, it's code name for yeah something's about to happen
0: something something significant is going to happen I may not know what it is but we've got to do this mm. and absolutely and I hate coffee
1: <laughs> do you know how I know that this is meant to be my uh, my final question was tell me about a time a older man has intervened there you go and so there it is I feel like I need to hit the wide angle. Boom. Boom. Give you one of these. I thought
0: you were going to drop a mic. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. Awesome. I I spent uh, from the age of 20 to the age of 30 with older men being really kind to me. Mm. I, I remember saying to my pastor something like, I used to be a nice guy when I was a kid. I used to be a good guy and do good things. And he's long gone. and I want to find him again. And it just turned into this, oh, here, meet this guy. Here, oh, oh, yeah, meet this guy. And I was like, hey, we should get a coffee. We should get, you know? So it was 10 years of just being guts on the table, resorted and put back in again. And it was painful. And I probably wasn't the nicest person to be around when that was happening. But at the age of 30, I felt like I'd finally – come back on track to who maybe I was meant to be originally yeah. and was now doing this for other people I no longer needed the the, the please can I can I get some of her coffee it turned into just you know I need to hey kid you know let's get a coffee me and you and just trying to redo what they did for me and I wouldn't be here today without that absolutely yeah. so let's pay these guys a good respect back and get their stories thanks man appreciate it thank you brother